Welcome to the Talk of Sykeston. I'm Glenn Cantrell, and today we're talking about a organization that's been around for a long time. It's National FFA, and we're talking with Katrina Jordan, the Ag Teacher and FFA Advisor, and Natalie Wright, who is the FFA Historian. And ladies, thanks for coming and talking on the show. Let's start uh, with you, Katrina. Um, just in general, what what uh, attracted you to teaching? Well, growing up, I um, I didn't have a lot of stability, and I wasn't um, I wasn't educated on what things should be happening in my life until I got into high school, and I had teachers who really supported me and found the needs that I had. Um, they were able to fulfill them, and when I got to be um, a junior or senior in high school, I decided that this is what I want to do. I want to fill those needs for kids who may not have it as good as some others. You know, it's, uh, we, we always talk about teachers and the good teachers, you know, good uh, uh, history teacher or math teacher, but there's the other component of being a teacher that's not talked about enough, and that is the positive influence on kids. I know for me, who wasn't the outgoing kid, you know, uh, I took a couple of classes with Mrs. James, who was my um, speech teacher and drama teacher, and it really changed my life and and uh, what I was going to do uh, in life. And um, it sounds like you kind of have that same experience, just teachers that were really just this positive influence. Right. They were they were just always there, and they knew what I needed before I did. But you, you're an ag teacher, which is Correct. very specific. You know, uh, you know, we have teachers who are you know math and history and the normal stuff, but ag's really not. If I can use the word, a normal teaching position. What what drew you to being wanting to be the ag teacher? Um, just going into like how I got to being an ag, um, I was told it would be an easy class, and I think <laughs> a lot of people think that. Um, and in reality, it can be if you like it, but so can any other class. Um, and so when I got into the ag classroom, I had my advisor, um, Kim Ports at Marissa, Illinois. Um, she really stepped in and not only guided me as a human being, but she pushed every skill that I had. Um, she taught me public speaking. Um, she taught me how to keep records for my record book, which is something that students have to do within the program. Um, but full round, she just, she was the, the big influence, um, in my life. And because of her and because of what I've learned in agriculture, I was really able to, um, keep that in my life. So I want to talk about this before I, before I go to, to Natalie, because I, I learned something, you know, the whole purpose of this show is really to kind of teach people things. And mm -hmm. I learned something and that is, it's just called national FFA. Now, uh, most people would, my age at least would go, Oh, future farmers of America, but that's not really the organization name anymore. It's just national FFA. When did that all change? Um, Honestly, I would just like everyone else, I would have to pull out a book and remember the years because there are hundreds of years. Um, but it wasn't that long ago that FFA really has started evolving um, within the last 50 years. Um, we've had from NFA to FFA merging, um, which would have been African-Americans would be an NFA, whereas all of the um, Caucasian men who started FFA they were part of FFA, um, and then eventually they became one, and it wasn't until 1969 that women were even involved in FFA unless they were considered a sweetheart. 
Um, and then after that, we had during conventions where they have the National Creed. Um, and then that's in the last, I would say, 10 years, I think is when it happened. Um, they, they changed the name because it encompasses so much more than just being on the farm. Yeah. And uh, talking about uh, women, young ladies being a part of the organization, I mean, a lot of young ladies are a part of National FFA, right, Natalie? Yes. So what, what drew you to it? Um, so growing up in an area where farming is like really big, it's always intrigued me. But my family, ourselves, we don't really come from that kind of background. We're more middle of the town, don't really pay attention to it. And then having a teacher who pushes you to do more things, she brought me to like the public speaking side where I can talk about the things that I see in my life daily that not very many kids pay much attention to. You know, it's interesting. Sykeston is so unique and, uh, you know, uh, we have cotton fields right in the middle of of town. And I can't think of one other place, you know, right on the outside of town, maybe, or, you know, not too far away, but we actually have them in the middle of town. And so growing up in Sykeston, you kind of, it is kind of intriguing. Yeah, it's like brought around you without you actually realizing how much agriculture has to do with your daily life. Like, were you, as you got more involved, and you were learning stuff, like, were there things that you learned that were really kind of surprising to you when it came to agriculture? Absolutely. Like, there's things that I didn't know. I didn't know tractors could drive themselves. I thought there had to be someone on that tractor all the time. There's just like, I drive past a tractor and I'm like, oh, there's somebody in it. That's how it works. There's so much more to it that I don't even see. I just see the tractors or the cotton or the big cotton bales. Just so much more that you don't learn unless you're sitting there listening to people talk about it or you're researching it yourself or talking about it yourself. Yeah, the evolution of farming is really kind of interesting. Well, we'll just use cotton as the example. You know, growing up, they had these humongous trailers with high sides, and that's how they transported the cotton. So you see them driving down the road, cotton's flying out as it goes somewhere, you know. Then they came up with these, like, really long bales, and then now they roll it all up mm-hmm. and, and wrap it up, and that's how they transport it. There's not hardly any cotton gins. I don't know if there's, if there's any cotton gins in southeast Missouri anymore. That all goes down. Most of it goes down to Arkansas now. Um, I mean, the, you know, that just really has evolved o- over the years. And Katrina, what I, I, I have to think that as the ag teacher, you you have to keep up with all of the changes happening within the ag community too. Yeah, um, honestly, there's so much change happening nonstop that you don't like. Even me as the the teacher. Um, I don't always know all of the changes that are happening. Um, thankfully, I've gotten involved with um, different organiza- organizations here in town who have really been able to push information to us of some of the changes. Um, but what I really focus on um, within our classroom, you know, not always the the tractors who are able to um, drive themselves in a sense, but I really focus on teaching our kids because in Sykeson, we have a bunch of um, inner city kids. Um, who who don't see those things, or they see them and don't recognize them. So my my goal in our classroom is that we teach them what like what would benefit them. Um, and then talking about cotton, I might not teach them about all the innovations that go along with how we harvest, but I'm going to teach them where cotton is in their lives and make them make it make sense in their heads that cotton, you know, is their clothes and what's on their body. And without agriculture, we're, uh, as my ag teacher would have said, we're naked and hungry. Yeah, absolutely. And Natalie, 
as you've been a part of this, and, and you're the historian, by the way, which means that you got to know a lot about the local <laughs> FFA chapter, um, are there things that you have learned that have, like, I guess, piqued your interest in agriculture that makes you think, well, maybe you know, this is a, a field that appeals to you in some way, shape, or form? Yes. So just like the things in your daily lives, like she mentioned, your clothes, people don't sit and think about that. So the more just random stuff that is in my life daily, it just intrigues me. Like I want to know more about how this can impact me now or even in my future. So what are what are some things besides cotton yeah. um, that you can think of that you did you know either didn't realize it was such an important part of your daily life or or um, you know just came that realization that wow this is really more important than I expected. Okay, so for example, I just did a speech over like social media and its impact on agriculture. I've scrolled through social media almost every day and found an agriculture-related post and just didn't think about it. Like, it's the things you see them daily, but you don't look into them. And it's like, if people are aware of this is going on and they actually pay attention to it, they can learn this, like, for them to know and teach other people. So what do you think, or or, or why do you think it's important for people to realize or have more information about agriculture like, why is that important for them to know more, do you think? When you learn more about agriculture, you can improve the quality of it. So we don't, if people are aware of, like, the hunting laws, then they will keep our hunting restrictions. They will, like, follow those and not do stuff that could damage us as, like, agriculture as a whole. Yeah. No, that's a good good point. I, I mean, when I was a kid, uh, the whole big thing that was being talked about was uh, uh, soil erosion, topsoil erosion. And so uh, I remember elementary school, we're having these conversations. I remember making a poster, you know, yeah. how to how to prevent the, that from happening. And now it's, uh, I mean, it's just a normal part of, of the knowledge of being a farmer, right? I mean, things are always changing. You're always learning learning new things. Katrina, tell us about the class itself and and also about the organization. I mean, how many students are involved? So on a daily basis in my classroom, I have a little over 120 kids that I see. Um, and I teach multiple classes. I have floral design, small companion animals, where we learn about um, – their pets and how to take care of them and how much that's the project we're doing um, currently is how much does it cost to even have a pet? And our students are realizing very quickly um, that their parents had to pay a lot of money to bring that dog home. Um, but aside from that, I've taught natural resources and conservation. Um, I'm teaching a greenhouse class at the moment where we will have our plants sale in spring. Um, and then I also have a large animal science class. And so within those classes, there's a lot of different things um, that kind of go along with it from hunting regulations to um, actually growing the plants, floral design or floriculture. We actually create designs and the students get to go and visit different places here in town, such as Helen's, to understand and see like what that looks like as a career. Um, and then in our animal science classes, you know, our students believe that all cows are the same, but how many of them really realize we, they have different purposes? Um, and that all of them are just called cows. They're cattle. Um, cows are females who have had birth, um, and bulls would be the males. Um, and then there's some other little names in there. But our students have learned that within our FFA um, program, we have about 85 students who are signed up and have paid their dues and are able to be a part of that. Katrina, you were saying 
you know, 120 students uh, throughout the day, and mm-hmm. then what, 84? You said about uh, 85. About 85 yeah. students. And, um, you know, when I was at Sykeston, we didn't have FFA. You know, it relatively, it hasn't been around Sykeston for, for very long. So that, to me, is, is good numbers to see mm-hmm. it, that kind of interest in national FFA. Mm-hmm. Yeah, our uh, program actually started in 1991. Um, of course it did. It did. I only know that answer um, because I found a very large poster in my classroom that was given to our chapter when it started. Um, but yes, I have 85 students. Um, and of course, like every other program, we have kids who might not be super active in the program, but I can say that I have a very good group this year who wants to participate, who wants to be in contest teams, um, and who wants to further their skills, uh, just to be able to have agriculture in their life, even if they're not using it as their future career plan, they will still have knowledge. Just to clarify, I'm, I am a little bitter. I graduated in 90. So uh, <laughs> the new middle school opened the year after we were in the old middle school. Uh, they renovated the Sykeston Fieldhouse and got rid of the green track and everything the year after I left. <laughs> and National FFA started the year after I left. So mm-hmm. everything good started after uh, I, I left Sykeston uh, High School. But um, Natalie, um, tell us about the the chapter at Sykeston. What are some of the things that you all do and that you're involved with? Okay, so our Sykeston FFA chapter has put on many events. We also compete in competitions all around the area. I want to say like the furthest we've gone, we've gone to Columbia, Missouri. Mm-hmm. We go pretty far to compete in these competitions. That's traveling while we're at our hometown. We do, we've had blood drives and we're now doing, we have our chapter meetings every month. We're now doing a pancake and sausage breakfast coming up this next month that we're all pretty excited about. Yeah, so you guys do do a lot of different things. All those uh, competitions, talk about that a little bit. Like, what kind of things are you all competing in? Okay, so I've always done the public speaking competitions where I'll write a speech and give it, but we have a parliamentary procedure team where they basically run through opening and closing ceremonies. That did pretty good. That did pretty good last year. And then we have um, our food science team and our dairy team. And I think we have our poultry team maybe this year. Just a whole bunch of different things where they can take their knowledge and compete in different competitions. So that's that's pretty awesome. Um, great experience you guys are having, you know, going around. You're meeting other members of FFA and, and the competition. But the, the times you guys put things on, like you've got the, the pancake and sausage breakfast coming up that we'll talk about in a second, and uh, all these other things, being a part of that, like for you, what are some things that you're learning that will help you, you think, later on in life as you go to college or the workforce or whatever it may be? Um, one of the biggest things that my competition has taught me is time management. I feel like I've learned how to time out when I have to get something done and when I have to go and be ready to give this thing. So my speeches, I only have a few months to get them written and memorized and then Two days later, I'm in front of judges giving it. I have to learn how to memorize everything and take in all this knowledge at once and be able to use my knowledge and share it with others. Yeah, so actually there's about four or five years straight that I helped judge FFA speeches over in Bloomfield. 
And so I've I've been there and uh, seen you know uh, I, I don't sorry kids to me you know kids, kids. young <laughs> young young people um, you know it's nerve wracking you know I I, uh, I yeah it's very nerve wracking like I I hated standing up in front of a class in high school uh, now it's it's not such a big deal but you know. You got to memorize. It's not even oh, yeah. you know. There's note cards, but you don't want to look at the note cards. Yeah. You want to have it completely memorized. You gotta so get away from them. yeah, yeah. So it's hard. So kudos to you. So uh, Katrina, let's talk about the pancake and sausage breakfast coming up on Saturday, uh, February 25th. And uh, I know it's from eight to twelve at Wesley United Methodist Church. And so just kind of tell us what what are you guys doing? Um, so that morning, what we're doing is. Um, Again, I, I really like to pull on from my own prior knowledge, like I tell my students to. Um, back in high school, I did this exact same event, but I was the student. And so I love the way that my ag teacher pushed us to get in with our community um, and for our kids to know who these people are, because in the end, it's, it's their community just as much as it is mine. Um, and so what will happen is that morning, um, our students will come in before everyone else, and have everything ready to roll. We have some parents who are volunteering to make the pancakes and the sausage. Um, our students are actually going to serve um, our community. And instead of you having to get up and get your pancakes or get your cup of milk, um, our kids will bring all of that to you. And that's their way of being able to to meet you and to get to know you and to uh, really just pull in other information. Because aside from agriculture, Sykeson has a re- like has a lot to offer, and I want our kids to be able to have that. That's outstanding. Now, a fundraiser for the FFA? Yes. So we are fundraising. Um, one of the things that is my biggest goal for this school year is to be able to have enough financial standing to be able to take our students on um, different trips without having the thought of how much do they have to pay. For us to be able to go on different um, field trips or to go on overnight stays for state or national convention, um, it's it's a pretty penny. And parents around here, you know, or anywhere else, like that, they're not always able to make that cost um, and to pay for that. And so I don't want the kids who come from lower-income situations to be missed out because they can't get the funds to be able to get there. And this fundraiser, um, along with some sponsorships we've had for it, We'll be able to really shift that mindset so that we can just have kids go and to learn and to have the same opportunities regardless of their um, economic backgrounds. So as I asked her about you know things that she's learned uh, through these different events and 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 you're you know helping put these events on and and these um, young people um, are are learning a lot not only from the standpoint of um, how to do an event. You know who's in charge of what and getting things done, but also um, I got to say they're also learning how to be a part of the community and what mm-hmm. what what keeps a community going as well. And, and and this sounds like something that they can be a part of and serve mm-hmm. in and and get that understanding. Yeah, I fully um, agree with that. Our kids, they have many options that they can get out in the community um, every day, but for the most of them, you know, they're stuck in the mindset. I'm I. I'm not old enough. I'm not good enough. I can't be there. Um, and I think this or this single event um, for at least the kids who participate, um, that's going to bridge the gap. It's going to be allow them to meet the young people versus, you know, us not so young people um, and have that connection, but also have c- communication with people they might see from church or might see at home um, or might 
you know, see out and about when they're at their jobs. And so I think bridging that gap is a huge a huge thing, and we're going to do that through this event um, for at least our kids. Now, do we go to the national um – I don't know what it's called, the National National Media. FFA Convention? Yes. Yes, we do. Um, we have not advanced um, in any of our teams to a national level. But again, our program is still growing, and we're doing the best that we can um, with what we have. And so we haven't competed nationally, but we have had the opportunity to go to listen to all the public speakers. Um, this past year, our kids got to stay in a hotel where our Hotel rooms were literally train, like train cars. Um, we didn't know that, nor did I until we got there. Hmm. And so that was a shocking moment. But aside from that, we've gotten to tour the National FFA um, main building um, headquarters. There's the word I'm looking for. And so we got that opportunity. We got to tour some apple orchards out there. Um, and it just, it was an, a Phenomenal. The kids always say their favorite part is at the very beginning when all the kids, the music gets really loud and really hyped and all the kids get in the floor. Um, there's thousands of them and you can't find your own students because it's so Because everyone's cool. got a blue jacket on. Right. They all look the same. Um, and the advisors, we're all like, there's randomly sporadically around. Um, but the kids are in the floor, and they're all, like, just dancing together. It's it's absolutely insane. Well, I appreciate you both coming on the show. Again, the Pancake and Sausage Breakfast, Saturday, February 25th, 8 to 12 at Wesley United Methodist Church. Uh, Katrina Jordan, thanks for being on the show. And Natalie mm-hmm. Wright, thanks uh, to you as well, and good luck to you. And thanks for joining us on the Talk of Sykeston. I'm Glenn Cantrell.